Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Selective Hearing. I am your host, Julie DeMar, and today I have another special guest, brain-based transformational coach, Tanya Winchester. Today, we're going to talk about burnout and proper sleep and all kinds of calming techniques and what it means to actually be well-rested. So if you're anything like me, I'm super excited for this conversation because I don't think that I even really know what it means to be truly well-rested, especially being a mom with a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So I'm all in. Before I get started with all of my questions, as always, I always like to give my guests the floor. So could you please introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a bit about you? Sure. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. My name is Tanya Winchester, as you mentioned, and officially it's Dr. Tanya Winchester. I've actually been a naturopathic doctor for 16 plus years now, and I was drawn to the profession of naturopathic medicine, which is healing from a natural perspective because I was really disenchanted with the Western medical system, just pills and band-aids and never really getting sort of deep, long-lasting, meaningful solutions for people and their health. In my practice as a naturopathic doctor, I became quite disenchanted with naturopathic medicine. Basically, I'm in the business of helping people change their habits. And what would happen is I would send people away with this awesome self-care treatment plan, you know, go home and do this and do this and then come back to me and let's see how good you're feeling and they'd come back and be like oh eating my broccoli is so hard and I was what do you mean you're eating your broccoli is this hard and of course this is a metaphor for the things that people want or quote unquote should be doing to take care of themselves but just have a hard time getting to and I became really in this point in human psychology these moments where we decide to wake up and take care of ourselves and then doing that again the next day and the day after that and when I realized it's not the act it's not the eating the broccoli or the getting to bed at the proper time or um, you know drinking enough water or moving your body effectively that's the hard part it's actually the decision to do that i was introduced to what's called neuro-linguistic programming which is all about listening and all about hearing and all about communicating effectively and that actually gave me the tools to work in that place where people decide to take care of themselves so that's what i'm really focused on now in my work is helping people transform their minds literally rewiring how their brains are coded so that they're able to do the things that they need to do for their own well-being for their relationships and for whatever impact they want to make in their community. With all of that, could you kind of give like a definition if you could sum up what it actually means to be a brain-based transformational coach? How would you define that? Yeah. So it is sort of jargon that I've made up. I think it's less jargony than neuro-linguistic programming coach. (laughs) (laughs) But what I do as a brain-based transformation coach is I meet with my clients and I get a really sort of deep understanding of A, how they're wired to see the world based on their past traumas, past negative emotions that they maybe haven't healed from, past events in their life that they haven't really recovered from. I get this deep understanding how to communicate with them and also through the techniques that we use, allow them to go back in their timeline and their history and change how they remember those events so that they're no longer triggering the negative patterns, the bad habits that they don't want to be having anymore. So we go in just just through how I communicate and just the language, the words that I use and how I communicate those words. We invite the unconscious mind to see the world differently, to change the filters through which we experience and react to the world. And when we change those filters, 
through this reprogramming strategy, they end up being primed for joy, peace, you know, taking care of themselves, ready and able to do those things that they weren't able to do before because of the old neural uh, patterns. I found in, and I'm going to ask you a question after this, but I found in my own personal journey, uh, there to be great difference between therapy and coaching. And um, I want to give you the floor to explain that from your perspective, from mine and from just from my own personal experience, I found coaching technique to be more useful and helpful for the things that I was trying to do especially when it came to me understanding accountability and mm-hmm. understanding just who I'm in control of in this world and that on, and that person only being me yeah. and like being given that point of reference to help me start on a path of resolving things and moving forward in a healthy way. I personally found different coaching programs and different coaching approaches to work the best for me. But I will ask you, um, yeah. for those who don't necessarily understand what all this means, what is the difference? between traditional talk therapy and coaching in this way? Yeah, yeah, such a good question. And it's, I think the key for me difference is that in my work with my clients, we're really solution focused. So we're always moving towards a specific outcome that we want. And everything that we do in the process together is geared towards getting that outcome. So we don't dwell in the problem. We don't even talk about the problem a little bit at the beginning for maybe an hour, two hours tops. And then after that, we're talking only about the solution. What is it that we need to do to change, to rewire, to reprogram unconsciously so that you're easily able to get this outcome? And so when I say we don't talk about the problem, I mean that I often don't know what it is that I'm guiding my clients through to clear when we're working with a particular type of technique called timeline therapy in my coaching sessions. I don't know what event that they're clearing. I don't know what, you know, what the details of that were. I might have a sense of the emotional flavor of that experience, but they don't need to tell me their story for the change to occur. So I would say those are the two big differences, a solution focused and outcome focused and then content free. And how liberating is that, that we don't need to tell that same painful story over and over again. We don't need to, the old adage, feel it to heal it. We can actually overcome these things from our past that are unconsciously keeping us stuck in patterns that we don't want to be in without having to be re-triggered, re-traumatized, relive that experience, which was probably really painful. It's really freeing for both me and the client because I'm not burdened with, you know, the details of their past and they don't have to share them again, repaving that same neural pathway because it's all about creating new neural pathways, new automatic instincts for how they want to be in the world. I always like to share stories about (laughs) about like my personal journey because that is how all of this came about was just me sitting there just letting the world know like hey I've been through some things but I'm coming out of them and you can too. I used to go to therapy like all of the time and in therapy I was always like harping on these different events that happened because there were no in in my experience there were no like tools like real like tools being provided that were gonna say like yeah you went through that it's real it hurt it 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 definitely left some sort of effect but like what are the actual steps that i take after acknowledging those feelings 
what do I do next to heal from that, not be triggered by that? And like, if it comes up again, not to be stuck in such a reactive state. That's right. Because that moment has passed. And like, even though it hurts, like my life still, it needs to go on. And I felt like I was like on this hamster wheel for a very long time of just like reliving, rehashing and, and almost like a point of focus where I was like, you know what? You're not hearing me. You did this to me. You did this. You did. And remember X, Y, Z. And it was like, I'm angry because of it. So then I enter into uh, coaching and a question was asked and it was like, okay, so that happened. And I'm sorry that happened to you. And that, that is very traumatic and it, it sucks basically. So what do you want to do next? What do you want your life to look like? No one had ever asked me that question before. I didn't even know that I was capable of saying, I want my life to look like this. It actually like, it can't. Yeah. And I find in conversations when I'm saying things like that, people like feel the same way. A lot of people feel the same way. Like, wait a minute. Like there, there's no magic wand or no, you know, like no, no great fix. Like someone's not going to give you a pill and make it all better. You do have the ability within yourself when provided with the proper resources and tools to take control of your life and live the way that you see fit and it can be very healthy and very prosperous and very happy and like that is something that i just want to reiterate to the audience like hey you know you are ultimately in control of your life you have to say so it's amazing to be able to walk through that with them and now to share people like you on the show who can provide them with those tools and those skills and those resources to help them get over that hill and start living the way that they're truly intended to live. So I went through like your website and was looking at all of your focuses and I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like trying to narrow it down to some of the things that are probably most common. And I was like, I don't know. Cause I kind of like going through the list, like spin the wheel. I've been there. Cause I looked at, you know, like burnout and like burnout was like the thing that I felt is like the most common thing. Like we burn ourselves to the ground quick as people. So what do you feel? Is that, would you say one of the most common things that people do? And what are some of the things that you discuss with your clients to help them adapt a new mindset that's focused in preventing that from happening. Yeah. And you said the exact right. It's like spinning a wheel. And that's the thing. It's just this wheel that spins and spins. And I have language for it. I call this spinning either the burnout cycle and or the insomnia cycle both apply and people sort of enter this cycle at different points. But here's the basic thing. There's sort of daytime stresses, to-do lists, responsibilities, obligations that could in some people build to anxiety, which then affects people sleep quality, their ability to sleep deeply and sleep long enough, which then affects their ability to feeling rested, as you were mentioning in the intro, to wake rested, being excited about the day. They don't have that. So then they're tired, they're fatigued, they're more irritable. It lowers their tolerance for the daytime stresses and the cycle just continues. So people, like I say, can enter this cycle at different points. So everything from yeah, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, insomnia, restless nights, even physical pain, the burnout piece, low energy, just running on fumes 
hardly able to sort of like match your socks and take care of all of the people that you need, need to take care of, including and especially yourself. These patterns can go on for months and years in some people. We need to create a pattern interrupt. We have to break, I call it breaking through the cycle where we introduce these brain-based techniques that change the drivers of these cycles. So maybe the old driver is like just trying to like keep your head above water, trying to stay stay focused on accomplishing some sort of goal as a distraction or as an escape strategy, even from pain from the past. I'm just going to get somewhere. I'm just going to get somewhere. And then in the process of getting somewhere, I end up in this burnout cycle or this insomnia cycle. Or maybe the the overwhelm or the, or the underwhelm, frankly, I, I see this very commonly with my mom's is overwhelmed with so much to do and so many people to care for, but completely underwhelmed too, unsatisfied in their lives, unhappy, feeling disconnected from the people that they care about, feeling alone. And maybe those things are in place from a neurological perspective from, again, it's, it all comes back to the past the past. <laughs> so when you talk about sort of how do I talk to my clients about this, really, there's not a lot of talking like I don't teach in the sense like, I'm just going to educate people, they're going to think differently, and therefore they're going to do differently. I actually change how their brains are wired. I don't do it, they do it. I offer the right language for their brains to do it easily. And so then it's like, oh, oh yeah, I can actually do these things that I want to do. I can say no to people that I need to say no to. I can say yes to the things that I want to say yes to. I can start to break free from these patterns. And and that change, it is like switching a light switch. Like this isn't something that takes a long time. I can clear someone's trauma, like a single traumatic event in 10 to 15 minutes to the point where they have no emotional charge to that event anymore. It's just like, oh, I walked to the store and they can tell me the story with zero emotional reactivity. And why that's important and powerful is because if you think about the stuff from our past that we don't know is keeping us stuck, it's unconscious, right? It's under the level of the surface of our awareness, but it's like the body's trying to keep that stuff down there in a way that it's like trying to keep a beach ball under the surface of the water. And it's like, it's a lot of effort, a lot of energy to do that. When we clear these things and remove the emotion from them, the pressure of the body to kind of try to keep that stuff contained, we get to recoup that energy essentially. We get to re re-engage in our healing capacities in our body. We get to re-engage in being relaxed and peaceful. And it it's like a switch. It's like we just flick a switch and suddenly they're like, oh, I feel, I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I, I actually use this analogy because sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their head around the fact that the, the current pattern that they're stuck in is actually a result of their past patterning. So here's the here's the example that I like to give with the analogy. We're born and our bodies are like this empty filing cabinet. And through our seven, first seven years of life, what's happening is people are opening the drawers to our filing cabinet and putting their own files in. So they're putting in their own beliefs and their own value systems. And they're, and they're not doing this consciously. This is all happening sort of under the surface of the level of awareness. And we're just taking it all in. We don't have the neurological development at that young of an age to be like, you know what? Mom's anger isn't mine. Like, I don't need her file in my filing cabinet. You know what? Dad's like drinking patterns, whatever his abandonment, whatever is going on. Like, I don't need that. We don't have the neurological development to actually discern for ourselves what we want in that cabinet. And so all these files are stored from zero to seven. It changes how we see the world. It changes how we react to the world. It creates these patterns these automated behaviors that we have, it feels like we have no control over. Like you were saying, like it's all about kind of getting back in control. And what I do with my clients is effectively, we open those filing drawers and we say, do you want this one? No. Do you want this one? No. How about this one? No, that's not useful either. Boop. Is this one helpful to your goal? No. Boop. 
And then we put back in, well, what do you want? Well, I want strength and I want patience and I want kindness and I want joy and I want energy. And so we reorganize the filing cabinet. So now they're actually neurologically primed to get back in control of their life. And the way I talk about that with my clients is getting back at cause of their lives versus being at effect. And that's the most exciting thing when a client says to me like, oh, you know, they used to say like, oh, my husband makes me so angry. Well, that's actually not how emotions work. Like you're making yourself angry based on your own filters. And when they say to like, oh, my husband, like left is this is true stories my husband left my his fingernail clippings on the dining room table and i didn't even blink an eye at it it's like well that's still disgusting and good for you for like getting back in control driving your own bus you know choosing your own emotional response <laughs> and really that's ultimately what people get to do and when we can do that burnout doesn't exist we're just living our own authentic truth we're in our integrity and it's we don't have to exhaust ourselves putting on the facade of a modern life if that all makes sense. Yeah, I, I love to say like the ability to actually be well versus presenting to be well. Living mm -hmm. in that space is mm. free. I love that. Yeah. And I have like, I can write a whole book on presenting to be well. <laughs> and yes, I'm sure so a lot of people can, but I, I definitely have occupied that space before and know exactly what yeah. it feels like to have the world look perfect to yeah. everyone on the outside and you be completely crumbling on the inside. on the inside i i know yeah. what it's all about and so yeah. i i that's one thing that i love to say is like actually focus on being well instead of presenting that. to be well because that yeah. once you enter that space it's so free yeah yeah it's free because it doesn't matter anymore what other people are deciding about your own choices you're just good making your own choices yeah mm -hmm. and free is the perfect word for that i said this on a show that like a few episodes uh, 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 a few episodes ago i said you know the more that i let go the more present i become and mm. the reward in that it's it's amazing like to see things through a completely new lens and be like wow you know yeah i can't go back never again <laughs> you <laughs> never again so it's, yeah it, it's so beautiful and rewarding and truly a space that i plan to occupy it, as long as i walk this earth i'm going backwards just isn't it is not an option <laughs> not an option no, no. forwards progress yeah. 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 <laughs> and I do that. I used to get so mad at my husband. It's funny because my husband is a clipper. Oh boy. Okay. So that hit. <laughs> I think that's a man thing. Like they don't think about it. Like they're just like, oh, I need to groom. You know, so they're still kind of like cave mentality. I feel <laughs> he's, he's going to listen to this like for real, but he is like, he'll just duck off somewhere and then you'll just hear it. And when I would hear it, the clipper go off, I used to be like, <laughs> yeah. Now I hear it and I'm like, I don't get angry. I don't react to it, but I do have that little part of me that's like, that's, you're such a caveman, dude. Like, <laughs> clean it, just make sure you clean it up. Like, and I just go about my day, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just make sure you clean like, it up. You can see the smoke as soon as I hear like the clippers. The, you can see the smoke coming off my head. Like, are you serious? Yeah. I don't even, I yeah. don't. My blink is more like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Come on, you're acting like the kids. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's a man thing to uh, the, the people that experience that. I mean, my my husband is in his 40s and like he when it's groom time, it's a very like caveman-ish type thing and they don't think about it. They don't mean any harm, but it's still you're up. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. I think you're spot on there, right? They just they're not wired to think about it uh no. in the in the way that other people might. And and people are different types of communicators and I I think that's really, and also, you know, you can learn to be the type of communicator that connects with the person that you're 
communicating with. My husband is very literal in how he communicates. And so if I were to say, hey, honey, it's garbage day, obviously implying that he should take the garbage out, he would just be like, cool, it's garbage day. Like, good to know. But if I directly, very literally say to him, hey, honey, will you please take out the garbage? He's happy to help. Like he wants to, <laughs> but he just won't infer. Uh, he's not inferential in that way. He just won't figure it out unless I ask a very specific question. And so it's actually been really cool being married to him because I've learned to be quite direct in how I... <laughs> <laughs> and how I ask questions it's and it's be. helpful because a lot of people kind of beat around the bush and it's like this mess of confusion that no one really understands what anyone's really saying so that's actually some of the tools that I have now as a coach is the language piece learning what people are omitting as they're saying things and asking the right question to help them sort of recover data that they might have forgotten also learning like watching them seeing their cues learning how to use my tone of voice what words to use so that I can actually communicate directly to the unconscious mind where all the change happens it's not a thinky thing it's like a the body mind thing because i'm very blunt and i like some sometimes my and i'm very quick with words at times so sometimes the way that it comes out it's just it's just what i'm feeling what i'm thinking and it rolls out and my husband uh interprets that as like an attack because sometimes yeah. the words are very just brat. So it's like, why did you say that to me like that? Or why? What do you mean? Or he will interpret it. I noticed that he'll interpret things completely different. Yeah. So there was a time where I was just like, you're just too sensitive. And I didn't mean it like that. And I, I wasn't very considerate to that. And then as I started going through my own process, started, you know, pulling things out the file cabinet and addressing yeah. things. Um, I was just like, okay, this is how he communicates. So now it's, yes. it's really... Interesting because we had a conversation maybe like a week or so ago. I asked him, I noticed like he does the same things when he's going through something. So I just asked like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Are you okay? What's going on? And he was like, I don't want to talk to you about it. There was a time where I would be like very defensive about that. Like, why not? And I noticed growth in that moment because I stepped back and I was like, well, can you tell me why you don't want to talk to me about it? Like, did I do something? He was like, well, in the past, you just haven't been very compassionate or sensitive to the mm -hmm. way that I feel. So he was like, I don't feel comfortable mm -hmm. talking about this right now. Mm -hmm. So I had to like apologize yeah, and say like, you know, I'm sorry for ever making you feel that way. And I'm sorry for creating an environment where you never felt safe communicating with me. And when you're ready, I want you to know that you don't have to worry about that again. And you can tell me what's up. And like, when I walked away from that, I knew like he didn't feel attacked or unsafe. Yeah. Even though we didn't, you know, like address whatever is going on in that moment. I knew like just me being able to acknowledge that and take accountability and apologize and let him know like through my actions, you don't have to feel that way with me anymore. That's a changer in relationships as well. Because a lot yeah. of times from, <laughs> again, traveling down this little road, <laughs> people will start to embark on these, these healing journeys and they will start to work on adapting a mindset that's more productive and conducive to being a good human. But like, we don't necessarily think about what we left behind. Mm -hmm. And we don't necessarily think about sometimes that when that other person, that other person is still going through their processes. So they may not be where you are right now. Be considerate of that. may not have the tools, right? May not yeah. have the tools, the self-awareness. You know, I think everyone is magnificent and everyone has the 
power to be completely resourceful and they may not have the tools or the strategies or the, the clearing of the past that's needed to happen to get them in a place where they're super resourceful in those moments. So there's no bad people, just bad behaviors, right? And behavior is something that we can change and do differently like you just described, right? Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So that is, I guess that's another process thing that I've learned is yeah. understand it's not just my process, like I'm in control of my process, but understand that, especially my loved ones, they're going yes. through their own processes. That's exactly so, it. So yeah. that's helpful as well. 100%. Everybody is at a sort of different place in a journey and there's no right journey. Obviously, there's no one path for anyone. And it's just important to know when you see people behaving in a way that you think is less than ideal, they're doing their very best with what they have available to them, right? They're doing their very best. And I'm a big believer, one of the main sort of philosophical tenets in neuro-linguistic uh, programming, uh, brain-based. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the main sort of philosophical tenets is that we, yeah, we're all doing our best. We're all accessing the resources that we can in the moment and that every single behavior even the ones that we would judge to be negative or counterproductive or even insulting or hurtful, all behaviors are trying to meet some sort of higher need. So even if someone is being really aggressive, abusive, lashing out, whatever it is that they're doing, that behavior is trying to get them to a place. Maybe it's trying to help them feel strong or safe or powerful, or maybe it's trying to help them, you know, feel like they need to protect or defend themselves. Whatever it is, uh, when we when we come to our relationships, particularly with this idea that everything the person is doing is trying to meet some sort of deeper, deeper unmet need, we can come with a lot of curiosity and compassion. And that's really where I think relationships heal. And it only takes one person to heal a relationship, you know, to communicate in a different way so that the dynamic of the entire partnership changes. And I don't just mean in our spousal relationships, but with our kids, with our coworkers, with our friends, this idea of, you know, that adage, like hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that? So people yes. who have been hurt will go forth and hurt others. And I like the flip of that as well. Healed people heal people. So then as we come to this place of knowing, okay, I'm able to change my behaviors, get back at cause, get back in control of my own reactions and responses. The person that I'm with right now may not have the tools and strategies to be able to do that. What is the higher purpose of their behavior? And I just start to get curious, like what could they possibly tr be trying to gain by yelling at me in that, in that way or whatever the thing is? What could they be trying to gain? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll even ask that direct question. Not that I have many people yelling at me, but <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you trying to gain by behaving that way? And it, that's a question that will stop people in their tracks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it will. Because I've been asked something similar and I was like, yeah, well, good question. <laughs> Yeah, damn. You know what? Good question. Shut you down. You're like, wait a minute. It's like you, it scrambles the software, right? Like you're yeah. like, yeah. Okay, I need to stew in that for a second and then get back to you because I don't have that answer in this moment. You know? Yeah, for sure. I did want to ask you, like, why are these things so important and what do they affect? Yeah. But I feel like we kind of 
we touched on it in there, but I guess like more directly, I'll ask you so you can share that with the audience. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if we go back to this, the the mechanics of that burnout or insomnia cycle, you know, the stress, the anxiety, the, the restless sleeps, the even straight out insomnia, the fatigue, the burnout, all of those things that are at play there. I've always said as a naturopathic doctor that health isn't something we do just for the sake of it. Health is a vehicle that drives us to the things in life that light us up. Ultimately, with most of my clients and patients over the years, to be honest, people want to be well because they want to have meaningful relationships. And it often just comes down to that is people want to be connected and loved and lovable and so healing our burnout healing our fatigue our insomnia being well rested it's all so that we can actually as humans connect to the other humans around us and so that's why it matters <laughs> yeah <laughs> i agree i know the driving force with me was making sure that i had a healthy relationship with my kids yeah but yeah that i wanted i was like finding out i was becoming a mom and i was like yo you're not okay like i had that i said right. it out loud to myself like julie you are not okay yeah and that was the first step for me like you're not okay what are you gonna do you yeah. gotta get help and you gotta work this out because if you don't your kids aren't gonna be okay and yeah so you've given them an opportunity to change the files in their filing cabinet already mm -hmm. which is amazing mm-hmm and I'm reading parenting books and I, I I listen to parenting coaches. Like there's not, cause I don't know, you know? And I say it all the time. This is, I am on the job learning as I go and pulling things that are in me that don't serve me well and the people around me well, pulling those things out of me and throwing them in the trash. It's an everyday thing. And it's a, some days are harder than others. Some days I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, am I doing okay? Are you guys okay? I like ask my kids, like, are you, okay do you need anything from mommy is you know i ask them stuff so they can let me know like how i can be a better mom because it's yeah. important to like you know my my four-year-old he's very like people are like wow your kid speaks like that like he will tell you he'll say mommy calm down we need a breath like and, <laughs> and i'm like you're right you know like if he sees like one of my cues like it because i'll tell them i'll say like mommy needs a, a minute i'm gonna step away i'll be back because i want them yeah. to understand like that sort of self-regulation like when yeah. you're in a reactive state don't succumb to those emotions and make bad choices and if you do, you need to be accountable for that, address it, and try not to do that again. Because your apology means nothing if you're going to continue to repeat the That's behavior. Right. So what I feel like, because I mean, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, I'm a stay-at-home mom running a business, like they can take you there. And like on those days, I'm like, mommy needs a minute. I tell them I'm going to go. I like to say calm my body down. I learned that from a parenting coach. I'm going to go calm my body down, and I'm going to mm -hmm. come back so we can work this out. Mm -hmm. But my four-year-old will go, mom. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll say, or he'll tell me, I'm calming my body down. Like, <laughs> and he's so full of like personality and attitude. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this kid? But it's cute. And my two-year-old goes, I always say no worries. So now my two-year-old says, no worries, mommy. For nothing. Like, I'd be like, okay, it's time to put the crayons away. No worries, mommy. But <laughs> one day he might really be able to like assess that and like make yeah. a direct correlation with what the situation is and what it means not to worry about it and connect the two and actually like 
problem solve his way out of it. So it makes me feel good to know that, okay, I am when in those moments, like, am I, I'm not doing anything to harm you guys. Am I, are you guys okay? And then to see how they respond, see how they handle things, see how like when my kid goes to school and situations happen and the teacher tells me like how he responded, like those kind of things makes me very proud. Those yeah. things make me really happy because I'm like, yeah. I just more than anything, I want good, compassionate, loving, empathetic humans that, yeah. you know, like to go out into the world and send those that same energy out and hopefully create change in the world. Like that's it. I just happy and healthy and of strong mind. Like I don't feel like yeah. I feel like you don't need all the other stuff in the world that people swear we need. Like it just starts right there. Like, yeah. are you a good person? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually I don't know if you can make it out on this um, painting here. It says getting healthy, happy and doing what you love. And I really believe that people that are healthy, happy and doing what they love contribute to a more peaceful world. And that is sort of the bigger raison d'etre, the reason or the bigger purpose for the work that I do is exactly what you said, just like creating this ripple effect of good <laughs> in the world, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. The I've heard it so many different ripple effect, catch and spread, like all that, you know, like all that you definitely want to bounce positivity out there, especially like we have so many people that embrace negativity. Yeah. Like it's so it's nice to be like that driving force of the opposite. Say, you yeah. know, hey, like you can Maybe choose you can this this way. Yeah. yeah. And it's that being, like you said, being versus presenting. I don't mean that I think everyone should just like walk around and it's like, have you guys, everything's fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, sometimes things are not fine and that's okay. And also choosing your most resourceful version of yourself in those times when things aren't fine, whether that's, you know, calming your body, taking the breath, um, leaving the room, <laughs> right? <laughs> changing how you've said something or changing what you've said so that the person across from you hears you. You know, these are strategies that anyone can practice. I 100% agree. So I love to ask this question because I like to hear all the different perspectives. And mm -hmm. I like to always point out that every perspective is, is different when I ask this question, but they still are kind of like interlocked. Like everyone, they share this, this answer, but it's like, if you go back and you listen to every single episode, they all, every single answer, although they're different, they, they're, they're kind of in intertwined. So it's nice. So I would like to know for you, like, can you define selective hearing? I'm going to define it for myself. And I think it'd be really cool. Take this or leave this, but take everybody's answers and like splice them into one episode. You know what? That is a good idea. Because I, I ask okay. the question at the end of every single show, and when I go back and I I listen to the episodes after I put them up, and I'm like, wow, it's so different. It's like a different pr perspective, but it still ties into what the last person said and what the person before that said. So it yeah. just proves that we're all connected. Yes, and we're not as different as we think. Yes, and I so I love. I'm gonna ask this question until I stop doing this show. So I love asking, like, define selective hearing for you. Yeah. And for me, this comes back to what's in our filing cabinet. So what's been sort of put in there at early ages. So the past struggles, events, pain, traumas, other people's stories, pain, traumas, beliefs, values, all of this stuff that literally changes how we see the world. 
and how we hear the world, of course. And so this selective hearing for me is this idea that what we're actually conscious of is a small, small fraction of what's actually happening in reality. Neurologically, we don't have the capacity to handle the billions of bits of information that are coming at us every second. We have the capacity to handle about 134, which means we have to delete a lot of information. We have to be selective about what we're actually being conscious of. And our unconscious mind does this for us. And it does this in a way that matches what's in our filing cabinet, matches the filtration system that's been established. And what I love about the work that I do is I can actually help people change what they're able to hear and see so they can have new inputs, right? That they weren't aware of before. Actually, this just happened. I was with my uh, my grandmother who's 91 the other day and she lives with my uncle and my aunt. When it snows, they don't let her go outside of the house <laughs> because they don't want her to slip and fall. She's not allowed to take her daily walks essentially. And she's laughing as she's telling me this. She's like, it's really nice that they care so much about me where she could have chosen to be like, no, how dare they like control me and keep me contained? Like she really sees the intention behind what they're doing. And so we have this opportunity to change what it is we're taking in, change how we're seeing the world. And it's this interplay, this exchange between what we perceive and what we're projecting. We have this phrase in NLP that says, perception is projection. Everything that we see or hear in the world is actually a reflection of what our filters have sort of taken from this huge heap of information and shown us this tiny piece of it. And we can change that piece. We can change it so that it's more productive, more helpful, more healthful, more peaceful, more encouraging, more strengthening. And so that's what I think of as selective hearing, changing, changing the filters inside our minds so that we can actually choose what it is that we want to be taking in. Before I ask you to share your social handles and your website and how everyone listening can get in contact with you and use your services, I just want to say that your answer ties into a lot of different answers because we do, um, a lot of people speak to, you know, listening to that inner voice, listening to yourself, finally not ignoring yourself, finally understanding that you have the ability to control the outcome if that's what you yeah. want to do. And that's why I want to just remind all the listeners out there that we are all the same, regardless of what things were presented to us throughout our lives and what things were taught to us. We all started on the exact same playing field. Yeah. And if we can embrace that and get back to that, the world will be such a better place. So just like embrace that because it's it's real. And I just, I always love to just remind everyone of that because like, like I said, it's so easy to get caught up in the negative message and it's so, you know, easy to start drawing lines in the sand and, and, and dredging up all these negative things to support your bias or yes. to support your willingness to make poor decisions. And it's like, you really don't have to do it. You don't have to make that choice. Like, look at the glass. It's always half full. Mm -hmm. Always. And that's on good days. That's on bad days. The same. It's always half full. So now I will give you the floor. I will return the floor back to you so you can let all of my listeners know where they can find you. And um, yeah, here you go. <laughs> Probably the best place is 
tanyawinchester.com. That's T-O-N-I-A Winchester. And that actually takes people to my book page where um, it's the best intro place to kind of get to know me a bit better. My book is Smiling in the Shower. It's a simple, swift way to break through burnout and create happy, energized days. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Coach Tanya. And all of that information will also be listed in the bio for this episode. And as always on my social media as well. So just click away and please reach out to Tanya so that you can let her know how she can help you on your journey to being great. And before I close every show, I always ask that the guest leaves the audience with a positive message. So if there's anything that you would love to share, the floor is yours once again. Thank you. With this platform, I will take this opportunity to say that your body knows how to heal. It wants to heal and it can heal. Things might just need to be shifted a little bit so you have those right circumstances in place, but your body knows how to heal. It wants to heal. It can heal. All right, everyone. So that was your message for the week. And again, thank you for being here with me today. And to everyone listening, thank you. And I will be back next week. This is Selective Hearing.